Hi guys, welcome back to the What Would You Know podcast. If you're new here, welcome. And if you're not, thank you for coming back and supporting me. So today's episode is obviously going to be about trauma, um, a new theory of trauma and the fact that we all do experience trauma. So I'm going to unpack that and help you guys get a better understanding of it. I obviously I was in India. Um, I was there for just under two weeks. That's why I haven't again been posting anything because I've been really slack. Um, but I did take that time. I've got a lot of books um, from researchers and psychologists and stuff um, on the topic of trauma and this so-called new theory of it. So I spent that time getting a better understanding and educating myself even more on it so that I could come back and do this episode and help you guys get a better understanding. Because, yeah, it gets thrown around a lot. Well, I see it a lot, especially on TikTok. Like people are always talking about childhood trauma and stuff. So I'm going to unpack that a little bit deeper today. Um, so, uh, one thing I have picked up on myself and someone else, Macy, I know you said it to me that I make that swallowing sound. Um, I don't know why I do it, but I know that you can hear it. Um, when you listen to it and it would probably, it probably sound really gross. Sounds like that really make me cringe. So I am trying to work on that. But so I literally just did it. I don't know why. Anyway, going to go into today's quote and gratitude. So whatever you are doing, stop and pause, take a few deep breaths and reflect on what you are grateful for and what has gone well for you. Turn off your phone and do it in your own little space. So three things that have gone well for me in the past 24 hours. I got my uni transcript and my grades so I can now apply for my grad year, um, which is really good. So I, I put on my Instagram story that I finished my last assignment, which funny enough was on meditation for, um, people with PTSD, but the population that I focused on was veterans. So that was really interesting. Um, I got a C for that, which is a 75, which is fucking unreal for me because I suck at research and statistics and everything. Fun fact, this is completely off topic, but I was actually supposed to finish my um, bachelor last year, but for some reason, my little brain sucks at statistics. I just can't wrap my head around math, but I got there. But what happened was I didn't even fail it. I, my assessment was due. And for some, like I literally had planned, like at the start of every uni, um, semester, I'll write down all of my like important dates in my diary. So I'm kind of like on top of it, but for some stupid reason, I just didn't start the assignment. I knew that it was like, due. And then two weeks later, I went to submit it and it was like, you can't actually um, submit it because it's two weeks late. Um, But my brain just somehow forgot about that completely. And then they obviously wouldn't let me, even though I had done it, they wouldn't let me um, 
submit it because technically I hadn't submitted anything within the time frame and then they wouldn't even give me an opportunity to do it again. So I had to finish the subject because that was at the start of the semester and then I had to completely redo it again. So this is your reminder. I said this on my story when I posted my assignment thing that everyone has setbacks and it is okay. Focus on the journey and not the destination. That was me completely going off topic, but very grateful that I've passed everything. My bachelor is officially done. I've got a bachelor on my hands of psychological science. I've got my transcript. I'm ready to apply for my grad year. Uh, Another thing that I'm grateful for is that we have finally found another roommate for our house, so it's going to make things a lot cheaper. Thank gosh, because we have a spare room at the moment, so we're all paying extra. And the third thing I am grateful for, I this probably sounds stupid, but if you live in Melbourne or Victoria, I am super grateful for the cold weather and the rain because I've just come home from India and when we were in Delhi, it was no shit, like 40 degrees. Like it, I've never experienced anything like that heat. Like it was fucked. And even like, I'll add another extra thing in. I should do a whole episode on this, just like reflecting on that trip. But when we got there, like I was so shocked. I've been to third world countries before, but just like when when we got out of the airport, the pollution, like the sky was that polluted that the sky was literally like brown from all of the pollution. Like that's how fucked it is. And like I'm just grateful for clear sky. And I remember I Googled... um like what the pollution damage does. And it's like, I'm pretty sure it was like a million kids every year um, get affected by irreversible lung damage from the poor air quality over in, I don't know if it was India as a whole or like Delhi, but just, yeah, we're so lucky. If you live in Australia, we genuinely are that lucky. This week's quote is, stop making decisions based on what is normal or common. Just because everyone is doing it doesn't mean you have to as well. Do what is best for you, what is best for your health and happiness. If you've ever heard someone say you've changed, most of the time this is because of a good thing. We should always be growing and evolving, always becoming a better version of ourselves. Do what is right and stop doing what is popular. Okay, let's unpack some trauma. Okay, so trauma, when I feel like this is majority of us, it was me as well up until very recently, maybe the past two years, we've obviously grown up being taught or thinking that trauma only really applies to the people that have experienced things like sexual abuse or a death of the fa- of a family member or friend or going off to war, which of course is trauma, like that is extreme trauma. And most of us think we understand what trauma is, but trauma is is not only the result of a um, deeply catastrophic event, um, like the things I just listed, because yes, extreme abuse is fucking trauma, but trauma is not the event itself, it's how we react to the event. So trauma is on a spectrum, but we never want to 
like in saying all of this, we never want to take away from people who have experienced severe trauma. So when I start to um, unpack childhood trauma, like some people can like look at it being like, how the fuck can you compare what I'm going to say later in the episode to someone who's, you know, experienced um, sexual abuse? You know, what I'm trying to say is that the trauma is not the event, but it's how we react to it. So, like, I'll get into it in a little bit. But a few people like to say that not everyone experiences trauma. they, I feel like they're focusing on the old theory of trauma in which that, you know, we grow up being taught that trauma is only catastrophic events. So trauma, like, can be as a definition that anything, it is anything that is too overwhelming for our nervous system to cope with. So this is how, this is what I mean by it's how we react to the event. It's too overwhelming for us to process And it's also any event that is too much, too fast, or too soon. So assault, abuse, war, bullying, sudden loss, or an accident. And it can also be any event that is too little or not enough of, including abandonment, neglect, oppression, poverty, and so on, which can all come from childhood trauma, which I will talk about a little bit later. And I feel like we can all relate to this, relate to this, but I'm yet to come across someone who has not experienced trauma. Even if that means, you know, maybe they specifically haven't experienced trauma, but maybe their trauma stems from intergenerational trauma from their parents, grandparents, or great pa- grandparents, because that is a thing. Something that I researched while I was over in India. Um, we all suffer from it. And it's something that I think isn't educated about enough and, like, not even in university. We don't get taught this shit. Something I really want to do is, like, a trauma-informed course. Um, But, yeah, that's another thing that I'm adding to my bucket list of what I want to do to be a better um, psychologist when when I finally get there. And... Even the people who think they had the most perfect childhood, there is also something to unpack when you dive deeper into things with a deeper understanding. Like, even me, I was like, what do you mean? Like, I had the most perfect upbringing. I was, you know, my parents took me overseas several times when I was younger. You know, I was a part of, like, um, and still am a part of, like, a really, really close and supportive family. Um... I was literally the most privileged and still am person ever. Um, I don't think I have even experienced death. Like, none of my family members... No, that's what I was about to say. None of them got sick. Um, you know, I grew up on a farm. Like, I, we had horses and motorbikes, and that was literally the best experience ever. And, you know, we were a part of that... Um, what's it called, like, club where you do, like, the local footy on weekends. Like, how dare someone say I've had childhood trauma? Like, I've had the most perfect upbringing despite the fact that maybe some things have happened. But, you know, like, my parents have fucking done everything for me. Like, how 
could they have given me trauma in some way? But I will unpack that later. And like I said, on a surface level, we can all say that, you know, our childhood was perfect. Even our parents can say that. Our grandparents can say that. But when you really start to unpack everything and dive into things deeper with a deeper understanding, everyone has childhood trauma. And I believe, and most health practitioners and most researchers, the more I research about it, that most mental illness is just a symptom of unhealed trauma or a dysregulated nervous system. But in saying that, there is also a lot of important components that can influence mental illness and symptoms such as genetic. This is the, like the nature slash nurture debate, like what has influenced as we are. So was it the environment that we grew up in or we're around or was it simply our genetics? But one thing, like, when, how can I word this? Let's just, even though I'm saying that I believe everyone has trauma, which I do, but for the people who still argue that I and say that it's as a result of genes, this is, I'm specifically talking about mental health symptoms, by the way, when I'm, when I'm talking about this, not nothing like maybe, I know like trauma does play a part on sickness and health or whatever, but I'm specifically talking about mental health symptoms. Um, I think that intergenerational trauma has been passed down, which influences our genetics. I think it just still falls down to trauma because it's passed on over time, if not healed and dealt with properly. So, yeah, trauma affects everyone. Um, but in saying that, it's also—it's like everything. It's also individual to each person, and it's going to affect people in different ways. Like, everyone is different. And at the end of the day, trauma is only human. So let's try and be more open about this and compassionate with ourselves and others because that's when we will all be able to to really heal and healing like you hear me talk about all the time everything comes back to healing is the most important thing ever so some of the topics I'm going to be speaking about today obviously I've just let you know a little bit of like what is trauma Um, I'm going to be talking about trauma body examples of childhood trauma um, maladaptive coping strategies and what are the three coping strategies, like the common ones, which is disassociation, which I feel like a lot of us can relate to, people-pleasing, which is a big one, and anger slash rage. I'll also be um, answering, like, can we heal from this? Can trauma be passed down by generation, which I've already kind of touched on? Um, And another, there's another big thing called a trauma bond. So I will get into that a little bit. And then I'll obviously, I put up a question box. So I will answer some questions from the question box that I put up at the start of my India trip and the one that I put up um, yesterday, I think it was, or the day before. All right, let's unpack trauma body. So What I mean by this is that trauma gets stored in the body when it's not addressed or healed properly um, because we are energetic human beings and everything is energy. So unresolved trauma 
will keep showing up and can repeat itself if in different ways. So if something happened in um, your childhood, we often as adults are still operating as an inner child. Like I said in my ego episode, if you haven't listened to it, that is a must episode, that most of our beliefs are formed up until we're only eight years old. Like we're still little babies. And we then often make decisions as an adult based on that eight-year-old version of ourselves because that's the beliefs that we're running off. So if something happened to you when you were younger, maybe one of your parents left or you weren't very, they weren't very present in your life, which is very much trauma. That's fucking neglect. You probably formed the belief that you were unlovable. And you most likely pushed the people away that did show you that you were lovable, but then attracted people who made you feel like you aren't lovable. And that's where the belief that I'm in love, I'm unlovable comes in because that's what your, your parent figure showed you when you were younger. And that's where the belief and came from. So then you then attract that. And this energy then gets stored into the body and the majority of the time we aren't even aware of this because it's an unconscious process. So psychologists notice that patients who suffer from psychological symptoms with mental health issues also suffer from physical health issues. And those who suffer from trauma are more likely to develop things like depression, anxiety, have heart attacks, cancer, strokes, and obesity. And telling you this isn't to make you scared or anything, but I don't I don't want to do that. But the research is very clear. People with unresolved trauma without healing get sicker and die younger. And trauma falls down to one common denominator, and that's stress. And chronic and persistent stress affects every single cell in our body. And the impact of stress is so, like, just the the impact it has on both our brain and immune system is so, like, significant. I could talk about this for days that scientists have now launched a new field to explore um and have a deeper understanding of the mind-body connection called psychoneuroimmunology. Yeah, I'm not pronouncing that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, how I pronounce it doesn't matter, but just know that there is a new field being researched because the impact of it is that significant. And as I said... Um, stress affects every single system in our body, including our gut. And the gut can reflect your emotional state because the gut is connected to the brain. And I promise um, the episode on your gut is your second brain is coming. I promise I just have not prioritized that one. And when we're stressed and anxious, the body has, like, it really struggles to um, digest our food. So it either holds it for too long, which is constipation, or it will release it too quickly, which results in diarrhea or, and irritable bowel syndrome. How many people, like, I feel like, I don't want to say all, because I can't say that. Oh, I didn't do a disclaimer at the start of the episode. Oh gosh. 
I'm not a professional. I think that's not going to work if I say that midway through the um, episode. I'm not a professional. (laughs) But every single person I know with underlying anxiety issues has IBS or they've got gluten problems or just gut problems in general. And that's because, like I said, it's like 95% of your serotonin is made in your gut. And when we're stressed and anxious, food doesn't digest properly. And then that's when we get these symptoms of IBS and constipation and all of that stuff. That's where it comes in. And a lot of people don't know this. Like they'll just, this is what I mean by, I talk about this too much, don't I? But a lot of the medical system separates the mind and the body. Like if you go to the doctors and you want help with IBS, not a lot of them are going to say, well, this is actually could be a result of your anxiety. So let's get to the bottom of your anxiety so we can reverse the IBS symptoms. Instead, they'll put you on medication that doesn't actually get rid of the IBS. It just addresses the symptoms. Anyway, go and get your anxiety. Start healing yourself if you've got IBS issues and see if it helps. And when we're stressed, sorry, I just, I just go on little uh, rants. <laughs> Every single nutrient, like the really essential ones, they can be like our body can deny them when we're really stressed. And without a well-functioning digestive symptom, system, people become sicker in every area of the body that you can possibly think of. And this is all evidence-based stuff. Not a lot of people understand IBS. And like I said, they just separate it from the mind, but it's literally can be just a reflection of your emotional state. And I was like gluten-free for years and I thought I just had these all of these gut issues. And it was really just because of my anxiety and this bladder problem as well. Like that was because of my anxiety as well. And the fact that I just held on to so much anger and pain and it manifested into my bladder. And this is why I want to be a holistic psychologist, because this is what they do. They see the mind and body as one and they don't separate the two because we are one. We're not separated. So I'd, you know, come in, maybe you've got um, all these anxiety and gut issues and it's like I would unpack maybe your childhood trauma and we would reverse your symptoms. It might not go like that, but that's like, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. I want people to come with me with a problem and I'm going to get to the bottom of it, of why you're feeling this way, instead of addressing the symptoms. Like, we're going to unpack it so much deeper. But anyway. Okay, now I'm going to run through examples of childhood trauma. These are the examples that I put up on my Instagram and left that, like, do you have a parent who denies your reality? And then you had the option to vote yes or no. But now I'm going to actually give you examples of what that means and what it actually looks like. Hopefully it allows people to have a better understanding of it. So the majority of us have experienced at least one of these examples in our life. So try to be open-minded and remember when we're talking about trauma, it's not the um, actual event, but it's how we respond to it. 
which is unresolved trauma or childhood trauma. And before I get into this, um, I think it's really important to know and respect that this isn't our parent figures' faults. They only knew what was modelled to them as well, and so on. The cycle goes all the way back. Like, our parent figures did the best that they could. They loved us, love us, loved us, and ultimately, at the end of the day, our kids will also have to work on things and heal from things that we didn't really fully heal from ourselves or projected things onto them when they were growing up. It's no one's fault. Um, We can't blame our parents. Like, they did the best that they could and just, like, try and have um, a lot of, like, sympathy. Like, they were modelled how to act as parents from their parents and so on and so on. Um, So, like, it wasn't their fault either. But what we can take from this is that healing is our responsibility and to be even better parents, it is then our responsibility as well. So we love our parents and this isn't a blame game, no pointing fingers, just acknowledge. And it can be kind of hard to wrap your head around this whole childhood trauma thing. Um, Like how is this so-called traumatic for a child? Like what parents of generations and generations have done and what we will potentially do to our children if we don't heal ourselves. So this psychologist has written like a really beautiful explanation of that because if I tried to put this into words, it would not sound like that. So I want you just to have the easiest explanation um, as possible. So if you are not being present right now in this podcast, if anything, switch on for a second and really listen to this. So the title is Childhood Conditioning. A parent's figure's role is to be a guide. A loving parental relationship provides a secure base for a child to return to as they venture out into life, with all the ups and downs associated with this great transition. A guide is largely non-judgmental, allowing the child to exist as they are. A guide is more likely to observe and act from a state of awareness and wisdom. This allows the child to experience the natural consequences of their actions without intervention and laying the foundation for them to build trust and self-trust. Think of the guide as a wise teacher, someone who has faith in the foundation they have been provided and trusts that the student will be able to weather what life brings. The child then internalizes this faith. This doesn't mean that the child avoids pain, loss, anger, or grief, the wide array of human feelings. Instead, the guide or parent figure has provided a base of security and resilience for the child to return when hard times come. If parent figures have not healed or even recognised their unhealed traumas, they cannot consciously navigate their own path in life, let alone act as a trustworthy guide for someone else. It's very common for parent figures to project their own unresolved traumas onto their children. Well, when even well-meaning parent figures react under the influence of their own unconscious wounds, they instead of offering guidance may attempt to control, micromanage, micromanage, or force a child to follow their will. 
one day, I promise, I will be able to get through reading text without fucking up my words or reading my words backwards. So I apologize. (laughs) All right. So there are six different types of childhood trauma. So number one is having a parent who denies your reality. So a classic example of this is when maybe you approach your parent figure about how a relative is making you feel uncomfortable and they say something back to you like, oh, stop it, you're being silly, they are just trying to be nice, you better be polite. And when a parent denies a child reality, they are unconsciously teaching them to reject their gut feelings and intuition, which then develops people pleasers later in life. Dismissing adult behavior, like maybe this is another example. So dismissing adult behavior, um, maybe your dad is an alcoholic, but your mom dismisses his behavior because he has had a quote unquote hard day at work. So maybe, you know, he's, he's worked all day, he's come home and he's drinking heaps and he's an alcoholic and your other parent figure is saying, you know, like, oh, it's okay. He's just had a really rough day. Let him go. That is called a parent who denies your reality. Number two, having a parent who does not see or hear you. And sorry, I just need to make this clear. When I say parent, um, it could be a parent figure. So it doesn't actually have to be your parents or your biological parents or whatever. It's who you grew up with as a child who was your quote-unquote parent figure. So someone who guided you, who was your guide. Number two, having a parent who does not see or hear you. This is neglect at its finest, and this can look like having a parent who gets so overwhelmed with their emotions and feelings and is so distracted by stress, or who is in a complete emotional shutdown is and is unable to listen and to support their child's emotional expression because they are just so caught up in themselves, so they can't fully be there for you. That's what I mean by that. Having a parent, number three, who lives through you or molds or shape shapes you. So this is a parent who pushes their child to be someone or someone they aren't or pushes them to follow a career they wish they had when really the child doesn't want to do that. So parent figures who live through their children carry a very deep and painful belief that they are some sort of failure and will often project this belief onto their children. So an example of this can be, let's say, you know, a father figure wanted to be an AFL player but broke his leg and wasn't able to chase his career as a result. Or maybe um, your mother figure wanted to be a doctor but she couldn't get there so became a nurse instead. This is often then led and is a result of children having and feeling great pressure from their parents to do well and they dismiss their true selves in order to please their parents because their parents didn't get what they wanted. Number four, having a parent who doesn't model boundaries. So when a parent figure complains or unleashes to a child about the other parent figure, that's not having boundaries. Another big one is snooping, going through your phone, diary, personal items, that's a massive boundary. And in the instance of boundary crossing, it teaches children that loved ones can and do cross boundaries, which isn't healthy. This can go one of two ways in the future for children. Children can then see such acts in the future as normal 
or see boundary crossing as an act of love. And that's what their parents demonstrated to them. So they then become, you know, they're in a relationship and they co- they constantly cross boundaries themselves when they're in a relationship as an adult because they think that's love because that's what their parent figures showed them as love. And, you know, maybe it's, oh, you know, we were only doing this to protect you because we love you. No, you just didn't know how to fucking follow a proper boundary. Yuck. Anyway. Um, or they can be extremely secretive and protective, so it can go two ways. It can also come from parents who constantly fight and yell at home, clearly in an unhealthy relationship, but as soon as they are in public, they completely fake it. And children then learn quickly that they must change who they are depending on who they are around with or what environment they are with, just because they saw that model to them in home. And in order to be loved, I must change myself as a person because that's what they grew up witnessing at home. Um, And this also falls into the fifth one, which is having a parent who overly focuses on appearance. So this one, there's the obvious things like a parent constantly commenting on a child's weight in a negative way, making sure the child looks presentable at all times, even, you know, they can be fussy about the small details, such as how their fucking hair looks. Children are literally sponges and they will learn quickly, if modelled inappropriate, that appearance appearances matter. And this then starts the belief that love is only possible if our appearance appearance is quote-unquote acceptable. It's the same as when our parents fixate on how they look or, you know, they could over-exercise or have an unhealthy relationship with food, labelling foods as good and bad. And it can also come from our parent figures commenting on the appearance negatively of our family and friends. The final one is having a parent who cannot regulate their emotions. And the sad reality is for this one that our parents and their parents and their parents did not have figures who were able to regulate and identify their feelings. It's been a constant cycle. So by listening to this app, um, you are contributing and already one step closer to breaking the cycle of trauma because you are aware like if you really think about it this whole having a parent who cannot regulate their emotions realistically how many of us have seen our male father figure or male in general who was supposed to be our guide when we were younger cry like more than once or twice like realistically let's just sit with us Like, maybe there's even men in your life now that are similar age to you. Do they cry a lot? Like, this is where that whole toxic men don't cry, men don't express emotion, blah, blah, blah. This is where it it fucking started. Um, But it is getting better. Um, But this is where it all falls back to. And not, like, maybe you're you're a boy and you never saw your dad regulating his emotions that's that's fucking childhood trauma you were supposed to be taught that as a child how to regulate your emotions because i bet even though it's not your dad's fault or your because they weren't this is you got to remember they weren't weren't taught how to do this or society as a whole 
um, you know, had this big like stigma of men don't cry, but you not being taught how to regulate your emotions, that's trauma. You were supposed to be guided. You're a human being. Every female, male, male, whatever, whoever you identify yourself, we are human beings and we all have emotions and it's normal. So if you didn't have someone who taught you how to do that growing up, that is childhood trauma. And some parents do this in different ways. So some parents project this by getting angry, screaming doors, screaming doors, slamming doors, screaming, storming off. But for others, it can be the opposite. They can project inward, withdraw, and give the silent treatment. So as children, if our loved ones shut down like that and didn't manage their feelings, we were taught no emotional regulation and then weren't developed, did not develop emotional regulation ourselves. And then we take this into future relationships. So it's this constant cycle. So maybe you could be with someone who struggles with this and doesn't know how to regulate their emotions. Just, it's really important to understand why. And I will teach you how you can start to regulate your emotions. Emotional regulation is the process of experiencing your emotion and allowing sensations to pass through your body rather than turning to food, drugs, alcohol, or scrolling on your phone to distract yourself. It's having the ability to identify, I am sad right now, or I am angry right now, or that made me really upset, and allowing yourself to breathe through it until the feeling passes instead of ignoring and suppressing. So they are the six examples of childhood trauma, um, and I'm going to get in a little bit of like, okay, maybe you're like, well, I have fucking childhood trauma. What do I do now, Lily? I will get into that, I promise. Um, but before I do that, I'm gonna just talk about maladaptive coping strategies. So these strategies are often learned from our parents and they are coping strategies used to distract us from discomfort. So they distract us or attempt to anyway from the stress in our lives. So an example of this could be, you know, drinking alcohol at social events for the purpose of easing social anxiety. That's a maladaptive coping strategy. And there are three main coping maladaptive strategies. Um, I'm pretty sure I do all three, Um, but the first one's disassociation. So this is when you, quote unquote, leave your body during a stressful event. Um, This can happen during sex too. Like maybe you detach yourself from the person you're having sex with who you have no interest in. Um, The second one is anger and rage. So we all know what this looks like, Um, acting out, charging out our emotion and the third one is people-pleasing. I fucking suck at people-pleasing. That's something that I'm working on. Um, so people-pleasing is when you meet the demand of pleasing another person, even though you may not want to. And when you do that, the stress is temporarily gone. So these are all coping strategies that we learn as a result of not being able, not having a parent figure who was able to regulate their emotions. 
or really any of the thing, six things that I've um, listed. Like we form these strategies because our parent figures or guides haven't taught us how to have a healthy relationship with ourselves and others and our emotions, which is not their fault. Again, I can't stress that enough. Can you heal from childhood trauma or tra- trauma from general? Of course you can. It just, it's its obviously fucking hard. It's not an easy thing. And we become resilient when we do the work to heal. And resilient or resilience is often learned. So if we didn't have parent figures or guides who demonstrated this in childhood, it can be quite difficult. So the first step to healing is understanding what you've gone through or are experiencing. So the fact that you're listening to this and maybe you didn't even know you had childhood trauma and now you're like, well, what the fuck? Where do I go through from now? Where do I go to now? The first step is you are aware and you've got to understand it first. You can't heal from something that you aren't aware of in the first place. The second step is understanding the long-term effects that this has had on you. And the third step is learning what coping strategies you have picked up as a result of this trauma and working on them over time to build a healthy relationship with yourself and others and your communication and expressing emotion and regulation and all of that stuff. Okay. There is also a thing called a trauma bond, um, which I thought I was going to have time to touch on, but I would do another episode for this, like, a, like it in, um, like a big explanation of what it is. But it's pretty much creating a trauma bond is like creating the same toxic cycles in relationships and only attracting, um, toxic people. Um, I will do the question box now. So, right, let's get into it. Question one. How to approach parents it to help them and you, especially the stubborn ones. How to approach parents about it to help them and you, especially the stubborn ones. This is a good question (laughs) that I wish I had the answer for. Um, no, it's fucking hard. I've tried to do it. Um, and originally I got laughed at and told that I don't have childhood trauma. And then the more that my, well, my, my mum, she does like a lot of self-development stuff. She really acknowledges that, you know, I've got childhood trauma, she's had childhood trauma, her mum's had childhood trauma, like she understands the generation thing. So it can be quite difficult when you're trying to have these conversations with um, parent figures who are very close-minded and set in their own ways. Um, I feel like really get them at a time when they – like, it needs to be alone. It needs to be in a safe space. I think you need to come at the conversation. Um, don't be angry. Explain, you know, like, this isn't your fault. Um, you know, you did the very best that you could at the time. But And explain, like, you know, they did what they were taught. So when you bring it up and be like, you know, like, I'm struggling with this because this is how you parented me, um, 
and they get really defensive, you know, like what, just the whole um, toxic response, well, I did the fucking best for you, like how dare you, blah, blah, blah. If they respond like that and fucking gaslight you, that's that's just them proving that they're fucking shit cunts and maybe they could reflect on the conversation you've had and might come back and be like, you know what, you're right, um, and they could start to get a better understanding and you could help them with it, like just um, um, maybe maybe send them stuff. Um, I've tried to do that before, like send them like little quotes and stuff and information from other psychologists and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's fucking hard when you've got the parents who are just so toxic and they just – it's their way or the highway and – you, yeah, I don't know. I wish I could help with that one. But I think if you've got a parent that, like I said, acts really negatively at the start, I would definitely try and approach them again. And if they're still acting that way, just just leave it. If they want to come at you and talk about it, they can. But at the end of the day, you don't owe your parents anything, as harsh as that sounds. You just don't. So if they're going to be sh- assholes about it, just do not even bother. The best that you can do for yourself is you're aware of it and for y- if you want kids for your future kids, you now are going to break the cycle because you're aware of it. But it, it's really hard. Like it's, it's, it's difficult to have these conversations with your parents, um, but... I love the generation that is now because, like, I feel like we are just literally changing the whole cycle of everything. Like, I love it. Even though a majority of our parents think we're fucking just, like, I don't even know what the word is, but they think we're cray-cray. Um, is this inclusive of all personality disorders? Oh, that was when I I think I stated that mental health is just symptoms and it's as a result of trauma. I think, again, I'm not a professional, so I can't comment on this, but one thing that I've noticed while studying psychology and something that a lot of psychologists um, will be able to back me up as well is that the DSM-5, which is what is used to diagnose mental health disorders, is even... um, uh, uh, personality disorders is that the um diagnosing criteria, like the the diagnostic thing, is flawed because all of the symptoms overlap each other. Like all of these different disorders and whatever, they all overlap. And one thing that everyone has in common when diagnosed with these mental health disorders and whatever it all they've everyone's gone through trauma that's one thing that everyone has in common is they've gone through childhood trauma or trauma in general so I'm not a professional but I believe that personality disorders is from trauma even if that means it's intergenerational so I think that that's inclusive of all personality disorders, but that is a personal statement and I'm not a professional yet. So don't take my advice um, lightly. Okay, let's get to the other question. Okay, 
Is parent death at a young age childhood trauma? Yes, of course that is childhood trauma. That's like extreme childhood trauma. How do you avoid this from affecting current relationships with partners slash friends? The only way you can avoid this, so we're talking about um, childhood trauma and picking up coping mechanisms, this is what this girl's talking about, is if you fully heal and understand and address what you've gone through and you can't avoid it because you will unconsciously project all of these habits and condition responses that you've been taught from your parent figures. The only way out of that is if you do the work yourself to recognize your patterns and heal from your past. That is the only way out of it. Otherwise, it's just going to be a constant cycle. And just think, if you won't do it for yourself, do it for your future kids. Do it for your kids so they don't have to fucking put up with it and aren't left with all of this shit on their shoulders because you haven't taken the time to heal from your shit. Okay, three. Explaining my trauma to my absent parent because it's why they are now absent in my life or should I let it be? I think if if you're prepared to have that difficult conversation, um. It depends. Do you think you will get much out of that? Um, and where is this stemming from? Are you stemming? Are you? Do you feel like you need forgive? You want um, to forgive them, or you want reassurance, or do do you want something from this parent? And is that what's making you feel like that's the only way you're able to move on from your from your trauma? If you're getting validation from this parent because if I think if you genuinely just want to talk about it and feel like it's the right thing to do I absolutely think talk to them about it um I think if it's quite a damaged relationship I think this can be really hard like if you're if they're completely absent in your life and maybe you're seeing them for the first time or haven't spoken to them in years and you're just diving in deep I personally don't think that's going to go well um but I definitely think talk to them about it. Just you've got to be very careful how you approach the situation because who knows how they are going to react to it. But I definitely think talk to them. Just it's how you do it. Um, How to identify childhood trauma when you've been told your whole life you have it all. I feel like I can relate to this. So many of us can relate to this. Um, No, you are not alone. Um, how do I identify childhood trauma? Hopefully you've listened to this episode um, and I've gone through the six different things of childhood trauma with the explanation and examples. So if you feel like you could have related to any of that, um, you have gone through childhood trauma and it's okay. And I think parents who say to their kids, you know, you have it all, I feel like the intention is good, but they don't actually understand that they kind of failed at their job as being, they didn't fail, but they, when you've got someone doing the examples that I listed, it's like as a child, we needed someone to show us those healthy things and you didn't give us that. Um, So no, you didn't have it all if you were, if you weren't demonstrated those things. 
but you can also be really grateful for the things that you did have growing up in your childhood. Like we don't have to say, oh, you know, I've been through this childhood trauma, therefore I had a shit upbringing. That's not the case at all. Like we can have an amazing upbringing, but we've gone through shit. Like that's everyone's life. We're human beings. Everyone's going to go through shit. Everyone's got shit that they've got to solve. I think that we don't need to get all upset and angry and all defensive about it. I just think we need to all come together to under, to get a better understanding and to be able to heal, especially parents, but they're the ones that are hard to crack, or even grandparents. Dealing with a friend who obviously has childhood trauma but unaware, send her here, Tell, send her this podcast. Um, I think if they're unaware of childhood trauma, do you mean like they're, they're doing the whole like, how dare you say I have childhood trauma when I have it all, or they just genuinely don't even know what childhood trauma is and they're struggling as a result. I think just send them stuff, like um, quotes or information, send them podcasts. You know, maybe you could send them this podcast. Um, well, now I'm just going to ruin it, but you could say something like, or send them a different podcast and be like, hey, I listened to this today. I really thought of you. Um, take it however you want it. Like just, um, I thought you'd gain a lot of information out of this. And who knows, they could what listen to it and start to understand it a lot better. And that's all thanks to you. Or you could, you know, do it the really hard way and sit down and have a conversation and be like, you know, like, I'm really worried about you. I know you've struggled with this and this. How do you feel about this? But, like, don't, like, force it on them. Like, at the end of the day, I don't know. Depends how they're acting as a friend as a result of this trauma as well. Like, if they're being, you know, a fuckwit, but you know it's purely because of how they were raised and they're trying to be this person that they're not, um... I think just have a conversation with them and be like, hey, I really didn't appreciate when you did this or you spoke like that or maybe they avoided something and just be like, it made me feel this way. Just just have a civil conversation. I know it's hard, but you'll get a lot out of it. A good point of discussion could also be generational trauma, like trauma passed on from parents to us. And, yep, this is a thing I've, I'm going to have to – I pl- fully plan to talk about – Um, generational trauma, but I'm going to have to do another episode. But when I was doing my research, it was literally saying that trauma is passed down through genetics and, um, oh, there was this, what did they say? They were like, think about it. There's three generations in one. When your grandma had your mum in her womb, your mum also had you in her because of her eggs. Like whatever your grandma experienced, you also experienced in some way because the body remembers everything and trauma literally gets passed down by genes. So maybe you genuinely didn't have childhood trauma, but at the end of the day, there's still a link there because a lot of even like our grandparents and great-grandparents, they went through a lot of shit, like a lot of shit, and they wouldn't have healed from it. So... Yeah, it's, that's definitely an important topic to unpack, and I promise I will unpack it. But if you're still here, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got um, a lot out of that episode. If it's been, like, triggering for you at all or if something has come to surface and maybe, like, a lot of this stuff can be quite upsetting when you're learning about it. Um, if you need support in any way, please message me. Um I love talking about this stuff, so don't feel like you're annoying me. I will be here for you 
all the time, even if you just need to message me and be like, hey, I realised that I went through this as a childhood um, and I just need, I just needed to get it off my chest. I'm here and I'll listen and I'll reply and, you know, I'll be there. So let me know what you think, if you got anything out of this, if, you know, there's anything else you want me to unpack even more and I hope you have a beautiful rest of the day wherever you are and yeah please give me a rating and review and I'll see you guys next week hopefully if I am on top of my shit and remember nothing changes if nothing changes 